if you would turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Primarily this morning, most of what I will share with you from Scripture comes from this chapter, or at least we're going to leapfrog from this chapter, maybe to some other supporting materials. But we're studying today the book of Matthew, and we will be this Wednesday evening in our Bible study from 7 to 8, studying the book of Matthew. We're glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your giving. Pastor Appreciation Month was not my idea. Neither is it um, limited to this church or this denomination, but throughout the United States of America, all churches, all denominations usually, I guess, are participating in this. And I guess somebody along the line had had pity on pastors and decided we needed it. I don't know. But at any rate, thank you. Thank you uh, for what you've done today. I am delighted. I really am um, thankful for the opportunity to transition this morning into the New Testament. <laughs> the Old Testament is... Um, Difficult in some areas. It is um, difficult to pronounce the names. It's difficult sometimes to understand what's going on and why it's going on. It's difficult sometimes to follow. But you know what? I'm going to have to give you an A plus. Because as a congregation, you have stayed with this pastor for nine months of nothing but Old Testament. From Genesis all the way through to Malachi. On Wednesday nights, we've had great, great participation on Wednesday nights in our Bible study. Probably more than we've ever had for Bible studies. And then here on Sunday mornings for the sermons, you have um, you have tolerated the Old Testament series, I think, very well. It looks like, uh, from our experience, that there was not a lot in the Old Testament sometimes to be happy about. Not a lot to shout about. Maybe not even a whole lot to say amen to. But I'm going to tell you, the page is turning today. Because as we get to the New Testament, and Jesus comes on the scene, it's good news. It's the gospel. And we're going to do what the Bible says. I was reminded this morning early as I was thinking about this. The Bible says, Jesus said this actually. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to me. And um, there's two applications for that. First of all, we know he was talking about being lifted up on the cross. Literally, that's what he was speaking about. But we also know by experience That when we lift up the name of Jesus in our worship, in our preaching, in our daily lives, the way we live. If we lift up the name of Jesus, it has a way of drawing people in. People want to be where there's good news. People want to be where there's something happening. Where God is at work. Where lives are being changed. People are being healed. Marriages are being restored. People are being saved and coming to Christ. People like to be there. That happens when the name of the Lord is exalted. It happens when we come to church and we're not ashamed. 
Not ashamed to lift our hands, not ashamed to sing with energy and sing in spirit. Just we are not ashamed of Jesus and what he's done for us. And he deserves every much devotion and excitement and commitment as a football team does or a concert artist does. Amen. Amen. This idea that we ought to go to church and it be like a funeral home. I just reject that totally. I don't want anything to do with a funeral home. I don't even like funeral homes. I think funerals ought to be in churches, not in funeral homes. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. So when you call me to do your funeral, if you wanted it at the funeral home, I'll go. But I won't like it. I'd rather be right here doing it here. Just talking a little bit this morning. But as we begin in, in the Gospel of Matthew, just so you'll know, that's what I've entitled this sermon, just so you'll know. Because there is information included in Matthew chapter 1. That I believe Matthew has put it there just so you'll know. Just so you'll be thinking right as we make this transition into the Gospels, this time when Jesus has come. So let's introduce this briefly uh, before we actually get into the meat of the message. This Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel was written by a Jew. This gospel was written to Jews. This gospel was written about a Jew. Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now some people, some scholars in fact, think that this gospel was originally written in Hebrew or Aramaic. The language of the common people and not Greek. And I suppose that would be logical since his audience in his own mind as he writes this, was to the Jewish people, to his contemporaries, the people who were familiar with the law. And we're going to see that in just a few moments. In this gospel, Matthew quotes the Old Testament 96 times. I'd say that was a lot. 96 times Matthew quotes the Old Testament. Now Mark quoted it 34 times. Luke quoted it 58 times. John quoted it 40 times. But Matthew quotes it 96 times. Well the reason is because they were familiar with the Old Testament. He was writing to the Jews. Now we have spent the last nine months familiarizing ourselves with the contents of the Old Testament. They, however, knew the Old Testament well. The stories and events, some of which seem so strange to us, were taught to the children at a very early age. That was the way it was in the Jewish community. All of the feasts and the celebrations and the services that they had were designed to raise these children up, teaching them the Word of God and the Word of God in that day was nothing but the Old Testament. That's all that they had. The names which we struggled to pronounce were common to them. So Matthew begins this greatest story ever told. He begins at the beginning, literally. Going all the way back to the beginnings, the promises, the the conception of the nation of Israel in the mind of God. And as he shared it with Abraham, he goes back to Abraham in the book of Matthew. Verses 1 through 6 get us started. And before we read those verses, because that's primarily our text for today, these are dreaded verses to many. 
Boring names that have no purpose. We lose interest really fast. But I want to suggest that you hold on just a minute this morning. There's more here than meets the eye. Something really interesting is taking place here. Let's read Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 6. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Don't you just want to shout glory after reading that? A lot of people purpose in their heart they're going to read through the New Testament. And they don't even get through chapter 1 of Matthew before they give up because it is so, in some ways, repelling, boring, uninteresting. What's the point? People don't even make it sometimes through the first chapter. But I want to show you in those six verses today something that is absolutely amazing. And I can promise you it's not there by accident. By comparison for just a moment, if you'll allow me, I'd like to share with you that you see a list of the genealogy of Jesus also in Luke chapter 3. It's a similar list to what we've just begun here. Except Matthew begins with Abraham and goes forward 42 generations to get to Jesus. And Luke begins with Jesus and goes backward in time all the way back to Adam. And here's what I want you to notice. And contrary to what Matthew does, Luke never mentions a woman. Not one single time. It is quite revealing that Matthew did mention women. And it's revealing, I think, for a reason. I had never seen this. I've never heard this talked about. But this this week, as I was thinking about these first six verses and these women I'm going to talk about, it jumped off the page at me, hit me between the eyes. And I thought, why have I never seen that before? If you look in those first chapters, those first verses that we just read, I'm going to share with you the stories of four different women. They're called by name. The first one in verse three is Tamar. Now, before I do this, I want to remind you that we don't know these stories. Not like they did. The Jews knew these stories well. So they would have picked up this genealogy and read through it. And it had been like looking through the family album to them. They knew the stories. But when we look at it, they sound like strange names and we don't know much about it. So let's highlight these four women who are mentioned in verses 1 through 6. Verse 3, it mentions Tamar. Tamar was Jewish. She showed in her life that she could be sexually immoral. A deceiver. 
She tricked her father-in-law pretending to be a prostitute so that he would get her pregnant and she would have a son. Genesis 38. Don't read it now. Read it later. Genesis 38. Tamar deceives her father-in-law, Judah, who was a son of Israel, the 12 tribes. One of the sons was Judah, a daughter-in-law named Tamar. She deceived him into having sexual relationships with her. He didn't know it was her at the time. Well, that's not a badge to wear proudly, is it? And then we come down to verse 4, Rahab. She was a Gentile. She was a prostitute who found favor when assisting the Israelites in their plan to conquer Jericho. You'll remember that Joshua told them to send out two spies to go spy out the land. When they got in the town of Jericho with its walls, they began to rumor there are spies here. They began to look for them and couldn't find them. And they went into Rahab's house. She had hit them up on the roof, but they didn't know that. She saved their lives. And they promised that when they came back to conquer Jericho and when the walls were torn down, that they would protect her and her family. Rahab, a Gentile. In verse 5, we talk about Ruth. Ruth was also a Gentile. She was a broken-hearted widow who was struggling emotionally, who met Boaz, a Jew, Married and became the eventual great-grandmother of King David. And you'll read her story in the book of Ruth. So we've read about three women now. Two of them were sexually immoral. And the third was just a good woman, but had had some hard knocks. A broken heart and grief and fear of the future and what it held was her dilemma. And then we come to verse 6. An unnamed woman who probably we know better than any of the above. Verse 6, she's described as her who had been the wife of Uriah. Her name is Bathsheba. You know the story. David one day as he was king looked out from the palace rooftop across the town and he saw Bathsheba bathing herself one evening. Truth be told, it might have been several evenings. And he lusted after her and he brought her into himself they had sexual relations she became pregnant he couldn't hide that once that had happened and so he had Bathsheba's husband who was in the army Uriah had him killed David did now we've introduced a man not only a woman we've got four women and now a man who has committed this wicked thing his name was David the king All in six verses. I think it's very interesting. The Bible tells us concerning David in Psalm 51. We won't take the time to read it. But he was confronted with his sin. And David began to cry out to the Lord in repentance. And I'm so happy to tell you today that God can forgive sin. He won't forgive sin if you don't repent. He won't forgive sin if you hide it. He won't forgive sin if you ignore it. He won't forgive sins if you make excuses for it. But if you'll come clean and come before God and repent of your sins, the Bible says you'll find grace in our Heavenly Father. And He'll forgive you 
That's exactly what David did in Psalm 51. He prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Wash me, cleanse me, purge me, Lord. Take a scrub brush and wash my heart out clean. Because I am so filthy because of what I have done. Well, I want to show you our Heavenly Father's reaction to that kind of prayer. Because a little bit later... In 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, listen to what God said about David. He was talking to Solomon, incidentally, the Lord was. And the Lord says, now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, and if I were to stop right there, you would think that Solomon was getting ready to get a lecture about his sorry father, wouldn't you? But that's not what he got at all. God spoke to Solomon and said, now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. What's my point? I want you to see how God remembered and saw David. God did not look back at David and say, he's a sorry scoundrel, a sinner. He let me down. He brought shame on my name. He didn't say any of those things. He said, now Solomon, if you'll follow after the Lord with all your heart, with integrity, like your father David has done. Do you know why he could say that? Because when God forgives sin in God's eyes, it's gone. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Now, people won't do that. Listen to me very carefully. I'm I'm just stating a fact. People will always remember your sin. That's because we don't have the capacity to to go to somebody and and buzz them or, or put them in a machine and erase certain things from their mind. It doesn't work that way. I've often said the harder you try to forget something, the better you remember it. Is it not true? It is. But when you sin, when we sin, if we sin in big time, scandalous ways, people are never going to forget that. That's why we need to be careful that we don't sin. Amen? Because people will remember there's a price to be paid. Sin has consequences. You reap what you sow. Now, God will forgive your sin and wash you clean, and then it's forgotten in his eyes. But people are always going to look at you and remember what you did. That's part of the price we pay for the sin in our lives. We can verify that. There's proof of that in this text today, is there not? It is recorded in God's word, the story of Tamar, Rahab, Bathsheba and David and the sin that they committed. It's not forgotten because we see it and it's there for us to learn from. But in God's eyes, once it's repented of, he cast our our sin into the sea of God's forgetfulness. I think a, a song has worded it that way, but it's scriptural in the way it's worded. That's our God. God, our Father, the Creator of all, is the God of grace. 
What's grace? It's receiving sometimes what you don't deserve. If we received what we deserve, we'd all be in a heap of trouble today. But we don't receive what we deserve. We receive from him grace if we repent of our sin. Amen? And that was true under the Old Testament as well. If you would repent, if you, if you come to God, commit your life to him. Be faithful. You could be a child of God with whom he would be pleased, even in the Old Testament. Now, all of that was based upon what would happen in the future at the coming of Christ. But yes, it was possible in the Old Testament. But now, I want us to kind of um, put this together. No, the sin cannot be undone. But it can be forgiven. And when Jesus came... The Bible says about him, he was full of grace and truth. God will wash us, cleanse us, forgive us. And he remembers our sin no more after the blood of Jesus has taken away, as the song says, the guilty stains. I got a couple shirts. Well, I got more than a couple shirts, but I had a shirt this week, a brand new shirt. It was a white t-shirt. And I had some work to do outside, and I don't wear t-shirts anymore, hardly. So I thought, well, I'll just put on this shirt. It was white, brand new. Put on this t-shirt, and I went out, and I worked all day, and I got dirty, and I did weed eating and and the whole thing. Well, I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, that shirt was not white anymore. I got more news for it. It'll never be white again. It's stained. I don't think they make enough stuff. To put that shirt in its original condition. And that's the way sin is. Sin stains our lives. And there's only one prescription. There's only one thing that will take care of that sin. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And he cleanses, as the songwriter says, all our filthy stains. And washes them away as he purges us and cleanses us. Now, I want to very quickly share with you the sin of one more person. The, the, the testimony of the Bible about this individual, and I'm going to turn over, you can turn with me if you want, into Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to read to us today in our hearing what the Bible says And even what Matthew says about Matthew. Remember, Matthew is the author of this. And when we get to chapter 9, verse 9, here's what he says. As Jesus passed on from there, he's already chosen by the seaside, James and John and and Peter and Andrew. He's already chosen these four fishermen to be disciples. 9, chapter 9 We find as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. In Luke's gospel, he's called Levi, but it's the same person. As Jesus passed on from here, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house 
that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came down and sat with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, if I flip over to Luke right quick, if you'll just listen carefully to save time, I want to share with you from Luke's account the same thing with some little changes here. Not changes, additional information. The Bible tells us about Matthew that he was called, the Lord said, follow me, and he did. But here's what Luke adds to it and lets us know. The Bible says concerning Matthew, so he left all. He left everything. Just like Peter and John and and Simon, or Peter and Andrew and James and John, remember the Bible says they left their boats and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. The Bible says concerning Matthew, so he left everything. He left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, evidently, he had this going away party. Congratulations this morning to Cheryl Mitchell, who has just retired. And I saw on Facebook, had a little party, I think it worked, because she was going away. Right? Okay. Here's Matthew And he's going away, he's leaving his friends, and now he's going to follow Jesus. So the Bible says, he left all, he rose up and followed him. But before he did, the Bible says in verse 29, Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. Levi, Matthew, is throwing the party for the Lord. It's in his honor. And there's a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down. And then the... the, Pharisees and the scribes, you know what they did, don't you? They complained, complained that Jesus was having any fellowship with this type of people. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The tax collectors of that day were noted for being dishonest and overbearing and stealing from people and keeping what rightfully should have gone to the government. They were thieves. Some people would say they still are. I don't know. I don't know that that IRS agents are our favorite people. But I wouldn't call them thieves today. But seriously, in that day, they were look. They were just. They were at the bottom. Despised, hated, considered sinners. And all their cronies and all their buddies as they got together. And Jesus had to remind them, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus looks at this one sinner and says to him, follow me. To the four on the waterfront, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. To Matthew, he said, simply follow me. I've got a job for you to do. We've got Tamar. We've got Bathsheba. We've got these others I've talked about. 
Rahab, kind of a sad lot. Sinners. All sinners. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. And every single person on the face of the earth, without exception, is in need of mercy and grace and forgiveness and needs Jesus. Amen? Well, that kind of brings us back to what we started about reading in Matthew chapter 1. As I bring this to a close in just a moment. Well, maybe more than one. Let's not lose the context. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We've talked about Tamar. We've talked about Rahab. We've talked about Ruth, who was broken. And things just hadn't gone her way. And she was troubled. And we've talked about Bathsheba. And we've talked about Matthew. All in need of a Savior. All in need of help. From somewhere and then we read this long list, 42 generations of names in chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, all in need of help from God. Then out of the blue, how many of you will agree with me that that first 17 verses in Matthew 1 is difficult and rather uninteresting the way we usually look at it? Are you in agreement with me there? And then look, watch this. Out of the blue, suddenly, the next words out of his mouth were, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child. The virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, did not have any sexual relations with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. I don't think it's an accident that there's three wicked Sexually promiscuous women listed in verses 1 through 6, which is highly unusual to even list a woman's name in that culture. And then soon as that genealogy has been completed, then he starts talking about this pure virgin girl who finds herself expecting a child, a child of the Holy Ghost. 
The son of the living God that has come to earth and changed everything. That split time in half. A.C. or B.C. and A.D. Our calendar today even is based on the birth of Jesus. And it all happens because of what happens in Matthew chapter 1. Tamar. Rahab. Bathsheba. They needed a savior. Amen. Ruth. Ruth was not a wicked person. She wasn't a, 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 a person that committed some of these things these other women had done. But she was a woman with needs. She was broken hearted. Her dreams had been crushed. See, Jesus comes to minister to our needs on so many levels. Forgiveness of sins. Healing for our bodies. <laughs> help for our broken hearts he ministers to us on so many different levels and that's who is being introduced in Matthew chapter 1 that these people and people like them like us need that savior This genealogy in Matthew and this genealogy in Luke explain who Jesus is according to the flesh. Amen? Who his father, grandfather was. We could go into greater detail on that, but I don't want to spend the time. I just want to share this with you. That there was another way to look at it. This song came to my mind this morning. I looked it up, got the words, and I want to share it with you. Just a young boy in the temple one day shared with the doctors. They were so amazed. Remember when Jesus at the age of 12 went into the temple? Just a young boy in the temple one day shared with the doctors. They were so amazed. Never had they seen one so young speak so swift. They asked him many questions. The conversation went like this. What's your name, son? On my mother's side, my name is Jesus. But on my father's side, they call me Emmanuel. How old are you? On my mother's side, now I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I've just always been. Where are you from? On my mother's side, I'm from Bethlehem. But on my father's side, it's New Jerusalem. What's your plan? On my mother's side, I'll be crucified. But on my father's side in three days, I'll rise and I'll sit at my father's right hand. He was the son of God, yet the son of man. And I can't help but wonder how Joseph must have felt. Through an open door that day, he heard his son when he said, you see, I'm the king of kings. That's on my father's side. Wow. I know as we look into the Bible 
And we read this in Matthew 1 and Luke 2, and we think, well, Joseph was his daddy. I'm going to tell you right now, Joseph was not his daddy. Joseph had nothing to do with the birth of Jesus, other than he just happened to be there. A young virgin girl, never having known a man ever, was overshadowed, the Bible says, by the Spirit of God. And she conceived and bore a son. And they called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And I can't help but wonder. I know, I'm a little off. But I just wondered this morning, with the technology that we have, if it had existed then. I doubt that you could find, I know you couldn't find any of Joseph's DNA in Jesus. And I doubt you could find any from Mary either. Because this was such a supernatural conception. And what the Lord did, he did it for you. And he did it for me. And whatever your need is today, whatever your need is, if it's forgiveness of sin, if it's healing for the body, if it's the mending of a broken heart, I want to tell you that His grace is sufficient today. I'd like for you to, if you would, to stand with me as we sing this old song that talks about this Savior that we've just read about from Scripture.
be some results. Something will happen. Amen. The Lord will save the person. The Lord can heal the person, minister to their need, whatever it is. And we found that to be true over the years, many different times as we do what the word of God says do. So if you would like to be anointed, if you have a sickness in your body, if you have a need for forgiveness of sins, that's okay. We can pray with you and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and he'll do that while we anoint with oil that's fine but whatever your need is if you'd like to be anointed i'd like for you to come and stand across the front and we're going to pray together as you come i would mention that brother ron bomar is coming for prayer and he has asked that we remember his need today with the the needs in their family that they already have with a grandson who is sick and a son who has cancer uh, Brother Ron had a um, a test this past week, a procedure, and found out that he has uh, bladder cancer that has returned. He had this about five years ago, and uh, as far as we knew, it was gone, and uh, it looks like it has returned. So we're going to pray for him for that need, and I believe God's able, don't you? I believe God's able. We had procedures, having some problems following that. But we're believing that Jesus is the healer today. And I believe he's the savior today too. Let's, let's pray together before we anoint these. Lord, we have faith and confidence in you. We know that your word is true. We know there's not a problem we have that you can't help us with. You can heal any disease. And any problem, you can forgive any of our sin. Oh, Lord, you can change and transform our lives. So today we exalt the name of Jesus. We proclaim that in this place today we are believers in a Savior that has the ability and the power to meet our needs. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the privilege today to anoint with oil these individuals. And, and Lord, as I do that, and these people lay hands on these for whom we'll be praying. We're asking that the Holy Spirit of God 
would show up in this place, that faith would rise in our hearts. The blood of Jesus would be applied to each and every life. Minister to us, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now let's do what the Bible says. Let's anoint with oil. And let's lay hands on individuals as we do that, shall we? Lord, would you today please minister to this need that Robbie has. Lord, we lay hands on her as the Bible says we should do. We plead the blood of Jesus. We pray the prayer of faith. Meet this need, we pray. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are a faithful God. And we love you today. Blessed be your name. Lord, we pray that you minister to Carol. You know her need today. I plead the blood of Jesus over her life. I pray that you minister to her need today. Oh, Lord, you're a faithful God. And it is in obedience to what your word says that we anoint with oil today. And we pray the prayer of faith. We're believing you, Lord. We're believing for great things. We believe, Lord, that you hear our prayer. Lord, minister to my sister today. Oh, God, you're able to meet this need. Oh, Lord, minister healing, minister grace, minister strength. Whatever the need is, Lord, that Linda may have today, you're a faithful God and you're able. You see our needs. You're our Savior, our Lord. We're your children today. And we ask, Lord, that you would honor your word and this act of obedience. Oh, Lord, as we are fulfilling what you've asked us to do today. Thank you, Lord. Father, minister to Ron today. Oh, Lord, we lift him up to you. He's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He belongs to you. Lord, he's one of your servants, has preached the word. He loves you. He has faith in you today. And in obedience to the word of God, he has asked, Lord, that we anoint him with oil and pray this prayer of faith. So, Lord Jesus, oh, God, we ask that you would minister to this need. Hallelujah. Here at this altar, do something special today. Do something glorious today. Hallelujah. Do something supernatural here today, Lord, we pray. For your glory and for your honor. Meet this need. And we'll thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus. Lord, minister to Kenny today. He stands here today. Lord, having a need for for something from you. We pray that you would minister to him. Wrap your arms of love around him. Help her to feel your presence now. Oh, Lord, help him to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's a child of God, loved by the Most High God. Touch him and bless him today. Oh, God, give him confidence in you. Let faith arise in his heart. Meet his need, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry the line's a little bit here if you desire prayer. <laughs> All right. Lord, bless Ted. Bless Margie today. We lift them up to you. You know what this need is all about. Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. I'm thankful today, Lord, that you care about the healing of our bodies. You care about the salvation of our souls. And you care about anything in our life that troubles us. You can calm any storm. You can meet any need. Oh, God, you can change things. You can make a way where there seems to be no way. So we lift this need to you today. I plead the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, I ask you that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this situation. Whatever these needs are, we give them to you today. You're an awesome God. You've never failed us. You've never let us down. And for that, we're thankful. Blessed be your name. Be glorified today. Be glorified today. Minister to these needs in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Anybody else? 
touch my brother today. You know the need for which he has come. Oh Lord, we're just simply doing today what your word says do. Cast our care on you, for you care for us, whatever the needs are. Lord, we don't have to understand them and know. We just need to know that you're a God that cares and will meet our needs. I plead the blood of Jesus over this need today. Oh God, I rebuke the devourer who would come to bring destruction and who would come to bring trouble. Oh Lord, we bind the devil today in the name of Jesus and ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in the hearts and lives. Oh God, and this family, this man, his wife, his children, minister to their needs, we pray in Jesus' name. your arms around her today. Help her to feel your presence. Help her to know beyond a shadow of a doubt you love her. Minister to her, we pray. Oh God, do a work in Jolisa's life. Change her, Lord. Cause her to be exactly what you want her to be. Touch her life. Help her to feel your presence. Oh God, do a work in her life. Her children, Lord, keep your hands on them. Minister to them. Thank you, Lord, for caring about us. Thank you for your presence right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are in this place right now. And we're so thankful. And we praise you for your your mercy and your grace. Lord, minister, I pray to Sylvia. know her need today and you're a God that is able. We pray Lord that you would minister. I plead the blood of Jesus over her life. Oh God, I pray that you would touch her and bless her and minister to her physically and spiritually and financially and any need that she has. Let it be met in Jesus' name. Lord, she loves you. She comes to this church faithfully. Oh Lord, I pray that you would minister to her and for the your presence, Lord, and
to see your perfect will done in our lives and in this church and in this community. So we're here, Lord, pleading. We're drawing near to you and asking that you would minister to us and help us to be what you called us to be. Blessed be your name. it is but you do i do pray that you would bring peace and comfort lord into his heart and his life following the death of his brother last week i pray lord that there would be healing i pray that there would be peace and there would be comfort that would rest upon harold's life whatever his other needs may be lord i know not but you do minister to my brother i pray meet his needs touch his life work mightily through him i pray in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't I don't know whose, but someone left their glasses here. Don't forget them before you leave. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Amen. 
God is good. sing this to the Lord as a closing prayer. Then sings my be somebody here who hadn't, hadn't had a hug all week. Let's make sure they get one before they leave. Would you love on one another? Thank you.